RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 5, Episode 22, Confidential Letter from Gene Roddenberry to Eddie Milkus, October 21st, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Yes, you heard correctly there, Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians, <laughs> all of our canonistas out there, I do say that lovingly. And yes, of course, all of our Trekophiles, spelled with an F, you heard correctly, it's a confidential letter. Actually, we've got a letter from Gene Roddenberry to Eddie Milkus, who for a brief second was an old guard who was with him at the beginning of The Next Generation. We're back in the late 1986 days. We've been there before, but this is a great new document. So as always, go right now. Walk, don't run, to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. You can see our document there as you can every week. Follow along with us. Listen to this audio sample. And then stick around, and I'll be right back with this week's guest. Dear Eddie, regarding this new Star Trek, none of the surrounding conditions have changed from what they were with the original series. For example, we should have started our planning at least six months ago. Also as before, somehow we'll meet our schedules and manage to do a fine job of everything, Although at this moment, I can't guess how. Yes, Trekophiles, once again, the, uh, the fearless and fearful words of the great bird of the galaxy, Gene Roddenberry, as they were about to embark on what would become the next generation. Um, yes, we're back in the TNG roots days, but I don't think we've seen quite a snapshot in time. I say that phrase a lot, but every, every time we find a new great example of it uh, that gives us some um, you know, insight into Gene then and now and Star Trek then and now, which I don't know, I guess that's the whole point of this series. So thanks for listening, and thanks again to a good friend of the show and our producer, John Champion, for being our guest this week. Guys, you know him from Mission Log and Mission Log Live. Gene, uh, Gene. I wish I was talking to Gene, but John, you'll have to do. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, you, you know, you, you really said it. This is one of those, like, very narrow picture in time um, that, that reveals so much about what was going on here just in a few pages. And um, I tell you, before we get going, can you give us a little bit better picture of Eddie Milkus and uh, who he was and his relationship to everything? Because I, I think that's one of those names that is a little bit overlooked. Right, right. You know? Especially when we're getting all kinds of viewers, hey, you young guys and yeah. gals, who may not have hung around watching reruns in the 70s and the 80s and 90s. No, Eddie Milkus was a young guy who was hanging around young Paramount soon after um, it bought Desilu, and he worked post-production on the original series. He was a very underpaid and probably overworked staffer, yet another one on the original series, who was in charge of corralling and wrangling all the post-production duties, but very soon, very quickly, was a smart enough guy that he rose the ranks, and I don't know, he became an executive producer by the time he was done. You may have heard some of his uh, titles, old things like Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, <laughs> Mark yeah. and Mindy, yeah. that whole run, he had a good run. And by the time, again, this is October 1986, 
roots of Next Generation, the whole Star Trek rebirth about to happen, he was really coming, winding down his career after, you know, reaching a pinnacle like that. But he was very much a Paramount guy. Yeah. And as one of the old, when he was a kid when he worked with Gene on the original series, and Gene had reached out to him to kind of be their post-production guy. He would hang around through the pilot and then leave, and that other studio guy, young studio guy named Rick Berman, would kind of basically take his slot. So Rick right. was not there at the right. beginning, aside from looking at some memos. The other thing, though, is this is October 21st, 1986. So as we've seen in our past episodes, that incredible, fully fleshed out format that was floated by Gene to do a new Star Trek, to do a Star Trek Next Generation, they actually called it. That was September 19th of 86. Yeah. So Paramount's writing him. The one that Gene says, ah, thank you, but no thank you. I guess I'll get on the treadmill and come back <laughs> and do, do it do myself. It myself. Yeah. So that's barely a month before this. And well, then October uh, 10th is the day of the big, they reached a deal because the big studio announcement to the world was October 10th on a Friday. This is yeah. dated uh, October 21st. So it's yeah. just 11 days later. And he's already, he's still distilling his thoughts. He's kind of gathered Bob, as he says, Bob and Dorothy, Bob Justman, Dorothy yeah. Fontana, um, and David, David Gerald. Gerald, yeah, yeah, it, it, they're that, kind that of think tanking, but it's still baby, baby days. Yeah, so that that little bit of context, I think, re- really says right. everything about this letter because um, Eddie That's is the part plane he's reaching out to him. Right, right. Yeah. Eddie is part of the inner circle, and it's Gene putting the band back together. Mm-hmm. But he's gone after this very specific set of people that he trusts, that understand Star Trek, and he he says something in this letter about you know we all know the shorthand. We don't have to explain Star Trek to each each other so this is the mm-hmm. core that i want now we'll talk about what to do new and what is uh, e- even possible to do new here but at least i've got this core together that i trust and we're talking about well under a year before next gen will premiere in 1987 so they're right. up against the clock to create a not just create a show but create a series the rebirth of star trek out of whole cloth. Right. And, Capture um, lightning in a bottle again. Yeah. Which is yeah. harder many times than it is, as so many shows have shown, than it is to come up with a hit in the first place. A hundred percent. And you can yeah. say, okay, yeah, we've got the movies cranking along. We, we've had four of uh, the Star Trek feature films. But by this point, this is a different animal from TV mm-hmm. Star Trek. So there really is a lot of rethinking uh, and recreation here. I think about that... Um, you know, sort of the project pyramid or the project triangle, which is uh, fast, cheap, and good. And you can pick two. That, that's all right. you get. Because if you're doing production, you can have fast and cheap, but it's not going to be good. You can have fast and good, but it is not going to be cheap. cheap. <laughs> you know? So you get to pick two and and see what your preference is out of that. So here they are. They're, they're up against the gun a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Gene, I, you know, there's the familiarity that he has with Eddie, but it's also kind of like it, it's funny, but it's also a little bit mm-hmm. of just like cantankerous older Gene saying, oh, well... Here we are again. We're not getting what we want. 
I guess we have to forge ahead anyway, mm-hmm. and somehow, somehow, <laughs> we'll make it good. <laughs> we know? started planning six months ago. We should have started planning six months. Yeah. Which is what every producer wants. I mean, come well, on. Every producer well, right. wants to be told, here, you've got, uh, you, you look at uh, Brannon and, and Rick going into Enterprise saying, we just, all we wanted was another year. We were right. burnt out. Just could we give have us another, another year. year. Yeah. yeah. And then could we have a year on the ground before we launch the ship? Yeah. Yeah. What a concept. What a concept. Yeah. Just yeah. give them what they say. But also um, talking about uh, the, the old dilemma of anyone doing a reboot of we've got to make it exactly the same except totally different. I yeah. mean, you know, it's like balancing that, you know, balancing that. How do we keep the old fans happy? How do we bring in the new? How do we, how do we make that meld? And they were they had it easy. They actually have 20 years. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. not having to project forward. They've got TV tech. We've said several times they've got TV tech. They've got culture evolution, social evolution. Um, you know, how far can they push the envelope of what the envelope is versus what's barely been accepted or developed in the last five, 10 years? So yeah. it's exciting, but it's daunting. It's that blank piece of paper. They have an advantage there, but then you can also tell that. Gene, for better or for worse, is already thinking in terms of mm-hmm. compromise, which is to say, okay, we, we want this new Star Trek and have it totally different from old Star Trek, except I have to trust the people I've already worked with, so that there's one time mm-hmm. saver right there, and we could set this in a different place with a different premise yes. and make it, but... <laughs> I guess we're back to doing a starship because, again, we don't have time to really flesh out what this other Mm -hmm. thing would be. If we had more time, we could figure that out. Oh, I don't know. Maybe put on a space station uh, at the other end of the quadrant. (laughs) Which Right. Well, which is (laughs) interesting because that's exactly the time frame that that Rick and Michael Piller had when they developed DS9. They said, look. You got a base, you got a ship, you got a planet. What what are you going to do with a, a, a space science show like Star Trek? Right. And they right. went for the they went for the outpost idea. Yeah. 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 To um, be different. And, and then I also find it interesting that they had the time. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they're doing research. So Gene says mm-hmm. that Bob Justman and David Gerald have been screening different science fiction movies every morning at ten thirty. Actually, that sounds like a pretty great way to start your job um (laughs) and they've watched uh aliens ice pirates oh good lord uh brazil uh enemy mine i know right uh blade runner explorers night of the comet outland battle beyond the stars and they've got more to come um it's an interesting choice that they are trying to get caught up on Mm -hmm. what does science fiction look like from the late 70s to now to the mid 80s and there is a range Definitely. Right. And I guess it's helpful to look at this and go, okay, this is what we don't want to do. But then you look at what you do want to do, and a couple of these jump out at me. Enemy Mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. There is a story that you could very easily say has influenced uh, certain plot lines in Next Gen. And then uh, sort like, of the, the optimistic... And Enterprise, I would say, also. And Enterprise. Yeah. There's absolutely. two homages to Enemy Mine in the, yeah, in the run. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but then you look at a movie like Explorers, which is essentially a science fiction movie really made for kids, mm-hmm. um, but has this optimistic 
the enemy is not really the enemy. The enemy is somebody to be understood and, and somebody that we can make contact with. So you can see where there's some of that Star Trek DNA in, uh, in some of these times. Well, and of all these, yeah, I'd seen these. I'd, uh, I've had Bob Justman's memos. We've shared some of them here on the show, too, where they talked about screening these movies. They're looking at story and tone and also, like, what's the state of visual effects yeah. What's the audience expect? Now, these are all movies. They're trying mm-hmm. to do a show, but now, again, time and budget and expectation. An audience is sitting out there going, well, I'm going to expect about 50% less than I see on a big screen because this is merely a series, and how can I, an audience member, expect it? You know, they, right. that doesn't happen. So they're right. going to try to figure out how to compromise. And what, what does a cheap movie look like, and can we at least get yeah. better than a cheap movie without being a blockbuster? But of all these titles, the one that sticks out to me is Aliens, because yeah. Aliens is the movie with Lieutenant Vasquez that so seared herself into their mind that they went with Macha Hernandez, a female Hernandez. security guard, and here's how we could, a female security chief, yes. and here's how we can show one way that we've come so much further in 20 years than yeah. the century before in Star Trek time. And of course, Macha Hernandez wound up being Tasha Yar. Yep. For a year, and for yeah. a, a year and forever, but yeah. still the idea was there. But yeah, that's that's one concrete example they got out of the screen. Yeah. But that was yeah. that's on the agenda. I, but again, talking about gathering the old gang, he answers that question: Why go with old fogies, not bright young minds? I I, I need the old minds right now, or the veterans, mm-hmm. you know. And we can mm-hmm. get the newer ones. Fu- We've got to get this going in the shorthand. Yeah. Uh, but he also cites as we as I did in the companion. I didn't have this memo, but it was obvious to me. David's yeah. uh, World of Star Trek critiques. Don't ha- Why is the captain beaming down every week? And right. how can you trust technology that breaks? All of those kind of critiques, he, were well, he was well aware of, and they were incorporating them already. And well, we, yeah, and he brings that up exactly when he says, um, maybe this show could focus on somebody who is not the captain. Because yes. why would the captain be putting him or herself in danger every week by beaming down? Maybe we're following a first officer who then has to make decisions based on the captain's orders. What an interesting idea. <laughs> what did, I was going to say, but he's not even talking about the point of view of a story. He says uh, the idea of the lead, char- lead character overall. Yeah, the, the whole series. series lead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ripped from the headlines, should we say? Yeah. So I the, know, yeah. I mean, you look at where we are now in production with Lower Decks, where we're definitely not following the captain as the protagonist, oh, but then you go back right. to Discovery. And, That's exactly and, it, yeah. yeah. We had the yeah. whirlwind of controversy over that. Hey, guys, yeah. Gene toyed with that idea, and if he'd had, again, time to develop it, Maybe yeah. he would have gone with that because he's looking again. It's that whole bugaboo of trying to find what I can be different about and fresh and new, yeah. without you know. And of course, we know he doesn't say it so much here. Well, maybe he does. Uh, how they're determined not to lean on all the old tropes, all the character. You know, let's stay away from Vulcans and Klingons and Romulans. Not to have a even the crew role definition is not defined. We don't have navigator helmsman. Will eventually we'll have con and ops and. Out of the gate, the chief engineer and chief medical officer weren't even supposed to be regulars in the beginning. Right, right. Um, you know, Beverly Crusher is there not because she's the chief medical officer, because she was Wesley's mom. Yes. Wesley was the character. <laughs> Wesley so, was the character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Leslie, depending on when you catch it in development. Um, there, there was a, another little uh, tidbit yes. here that I wanted to get your take on, and that is 
as they look at other people to bring in on the team, because we're only talking here among mm-hmm. people who know each other. Speaking it's, of new faces, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Gene says, we've been offered uh, the Frank Rohrer client, Donald Boyle, who produced V, and I felt very strongly about it that I turned him down without <laughs> consulting you. Hope you agree. Uh, why do we feel so strongly about Donald Boyle? I happen to love V. I would love to know what Gene's very negative take was on uh, Donald Boyle. We may never know. But followed up right after that, have had suggested the writer Michael Crichton and haven't responded pending your comments. It may be an interesting idea. Imagine what we might have gotten out of a season one of TNG if Michael Crichton had been thrown in there. Well, right. But notice that he says, as opposed to to, uh, Donald Boyle, who was an offer, a concrete offer, we've had Michael Crichton suggested... Like, yes. who suggested? Susan Sackett suggested it? Could the guy be. who delivers paper? Did yeah. he suggest it? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what? And not too serious. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's, well, sure, it would have been great to have had Michael Crichton. If I, I, you know, and going back to Donald Boyle, I just, you know, v, v has a lot of sentimentality to it. People love that series a lot of sure. ways. But it yeah. did get a little clunky, and it was a little... It, it, it was made in the 80s, obviously, but it felt yeah. a little, you know, uh, running and jumping and shooting and bad guys. And I mean, there was a little it's like the longer the show went on, whatever little philosophy was part of it kind of went away in service of just, you know, yeah. the terrorists. And, and, and I, good yeah, guy, I wonder about of the week that. Plot. Right. I wonder yeah. about that, because if this memo would have fallen after the miniseries, but pre TV series, certainly the TV series fell apart. Uh, but Kenny Johnson's work on the original miniseries, fantastic, and very much cut mm-hmm. of that Star Trek cloth. Let us tell a science fiction allegory right. for some sometimes very heavy social, historical, political uh, uh, topics that we need to, to tackle. Um, it's just a, it's a great memo, and it's one that I'm sure that we'll come back to uh, because there are so many little details where you can just pinpoint. You can go, mm-hmm. yes. They got it right. That is exactly the thing they went with. Or, wow, they got it wrong. (laughs) They absolutely (laughs) did not go with this thing. They went another direction. Uh, Yeah. When he's, you know, and he's he's saying, you know, we'll we'll do new communicators and phasers and all of that. We we just got to get these broad strokes in right now. But he is grappling Mm -hmm. with the idea of it's got to be new, but not too new. It's got to be bold, but it's got to be familiar at the same time, which is, again, the bugaboo that faces anybody revisiting us yeah. uh, doing a sequel or a reboot or whatever you call it much less star trek that yeah. that that came out of nothing came out of nowhere and really again wrote the book on bringing back a show nobody had done this before really and uh, yeah. and served an audience that was you know people had done it in desperation maybe yeah but it was never to the tune of this high bar that an audience expected to and and john i don't know if you remember this or not but this is all before social media Oh, there, there was a world before social media. I know, and where, even where... before message boards and slow mo internet, you know. So uh, yeah, they did. You know, they were still in the letter and stamps days about about yeah. audience reactions. So anyway, no, it's a fascinating. It is a fascinating bit, and um, thanks for dropping by this week to uh, talk about it. Thank you. It's good. Uh, good memo and a good time. <laughs> it was. Hey everybody, the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment are right there at facebook.com slash thetrekfile. That's our home. We're the only podcast with paperwork every week, so check it out. 
and sound off. Hey, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at LarryNemichek.com. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.